This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yes, and here it is, week three of the college football season, and we are here to get you ready for it. Look back on week two and talk about everything else in the BetQLU, well, universe. Hi, I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ Choppy. She's Kayla Canaram, and we are BetQLU. We get you going every single weekend for the college football slate. And last weekend, week two, admittedly, there were some really good games, really tight matchups, much like some of the surprises we got in week one. Week three, and not as many tight matchups. We do have a couple really interesting ones, and we'll get to those a little bit later. A way too early Heisman watch on the way in about 10 to 15 minutes as well. We get you our best bets before we head out of here. Some giant spreads and some ridiculous totals that we'll also go over and just in general, kick around week three of the college football schedule. You can listen to us wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Of course, watch on Twitch. And wherever you may be, coast to coast, we are right here with you on the BetQL Network. So, RJ, Kayla, let's start before we dive headlong into week three by taking a look back at week two. We love to sort of wag our finger at people and say... Tisk, tisk, tisk. You did not do well. We say shame on you. And the first person we start with, I think this one's an obvious one. Kayla, fired after a loss to Georgia Southern. The Scott Frost era has unceremoniously come to an end at Nebraska. That it has. Yeah, I think losing your job trumps losing your game. As we know, he went 16-3 and during his tenure at Nebraska, which was the worst, by the way, by any coach since Bill Jennings uh, in 1957 and 1961. Not only that, but he went 10 and 26 in Big Ten Conference games and 0 and 14 against ranked opponents. But perhaps the worst out of all, out of all of this, is how bad he was in those one-score games, scoring going five and 22 in 27 close games, including that one on Saturday. So yeah, um, definitely shame on you, Scott Frost. He is out at Nebraska. Uh, Mickey Joseph is in, so we'll see if the turnaround happens in Lincoln. Well, they get an opportunity. You mentioned 0-14 in the Frost era against ranked opponents. They get a yeah. big old ranked opponent this week. RJ, uh, <laughs> is this? do we expect there to be any kind of bounce back from Nebraska now that Frost is out? Do we expect them to sort of face plant and just drag get dragged through the rest of the season, kicking and screaming like a tired toddler at Walmart? What do you expect from Nebraska uh, starting this week against Oklahoma? I expect new coach theory. The new coach theory is that you get a new coach, man, you're gonna you're gonna perform well uh, because all bets are off now. You know you can you can kind of give me a little lackadaisical through the old coach. Uh, he likes you now. You got a new coach, but a new decision maker, and you know all bets are off. So I, I think there's a little bit of a bounce back. I mean, I'm not saying they're gonna beat Oklahoma, 
But I'm also not saying that I don't have them on my betting card today. Uh, so we'll find that out. But um, it it is uh, it was a disastrous uh, tenure for Scott Frost. If he couldn't bring him back. You know, I, honestly, I don't know who does. Uh, but it's it's good to be in the Scott Frost uh, Coach O business, though. If you get seventeen to fifteen million dollars to go away Ooh. and never come back and never work again, that's the kind of work I want to have. Uh, I'd rather be Scott Frost, though. I think the Nebraska fans are nicer than LSU fans. They'll still buy him a beer, maybe, maybe, maybe. because of what he did maybe. in the '90s. I don't know that they're going to buy my Coach O a beer, even though he just won him a title. They don't care in Louisiana. No, no. You know, down down I, in Baton Rouge, you win or psh, get out. Gone. But I feel like LSU still loves Coach O because he is that that demographic, that that fan. He is. I, I, he you is. know what he's, he's he is? one of the people. He's 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 your bum uncle who got left by his wife and needs a place to kick around so he stays in the basement for a few weeks. You love him as much as you want to love him, but you still think he's a bum. Is that does that make sense, RJ? That's actually a really good analogy. Yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I just think, you know, the Louisiana fans are so intense. Nebraska fans, oh, yeah. they've had like 30 years of – or 20 years of, 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 you know, futility. I think they've come to grips largely with the fact that they're not Nebraska anymore. And now they're right. like, yeah, fine. Well, well, he did something cool in the 90s or 2000. Let's – he's one of our own. Let's put our arm around him. Let's give him a big hug. You make a great point about LSU fans, though. I have some in my family who I can't talk to between September and December. They're just they're they're that high strung. Um, from a pair of former Big Eight teams, Nebraska and Oklahoma, who we'll get a little deeper into later as well when we look at some of this week's matchup, to another former Big Eight team. They're now in the SEC, Texas A and M, and they take a big old L at home to App State. The Giant Killers go to College Station and silence all 100,000, uh, including including maybe the Midnight Yell. Um, RJ, you're down in that region. You're down near A&M and College Station. Is there a way, and again, we'll get into A&M specifically because they do host Miami this weekend and a little bit deeper into that game in a couple of minutes, but is there a way they bounce back into the national championship or at least the SEC title conversation? Yeah, they could maybe get back into the SEC title conversation. Um, Alabama did not necessarily look that impressive uh, mm-hmm. this this past week, so I, I think there's a chance. Uh, I honestly, I think the SEC East might be a little bit more entertaining this year than the SEC West. Um, that said, look, dude. I mean, there, I remember that there was a time where if you lost a home game, you had no chance of winning the Natty. You had no chance yeah. of getting there. You had no chance of winning it. And I don't think that's that that that, that plays anymore. Okay. Obviously, with four teams and committees and computer rankings, it, it doesn't really hold the same kind of weight that it used to. So yeah, they could. Likelihood is though, it's you know they didn't lose to App State on accident. There's there's bigger warts there. Kayla, you were big on the Aggies last week when we talked about possible teams from outside the top three who could shoehorn their way into the playoff, maybe somehow or into the national title conversation. Uh, how do they bounce back from this? And uh, to RJ's point, can they bounce back from this without necessarily scoring a huge upset down the line? I mean, for the sake of my pick, I hope so. But let's not forget, <laughs> App State has been – I'm going to praise on App State for a second. They've been pretty solid the last few years. Since joining the FBS in 2014, they've gone 48-16. and 16. They've had five consecutive winning seasons, four consecutive bowl wins, three straight Sunbelt Conference titles – 
So let's put some respect on the Mountaineers um, who are getting their first college game day appearance this weekend, by the way. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful a will bounce back, but I mean, App State, they're, they're on the up and up, I would say. That's not exactly what they were saying during the midnight yell at College Station. I believe the guy. Oh my gosh! Dur- during his Peter Brady impression, with his voice cracking, was talking about how he he'd never heard of Appalachia, even though their head coach is from West Virginia, and just absolutely ripped into him. He ne- <laughs> he needs to get a good shame on you finger wagging from you, Kayla. Uh, to to your point, A and M does have Bama. Uh, or they traveled to Tuscaloosa, I guess I should say, in three weeks. If they're looking for a chance to turn things around, there's your big opportunity. It's right there on your schedule in front of you if you're the Aggies. Notre Dame, forget turning things around. They've gone from number five team in the country with a chance to make a statement the opening weekend in Columbus against the Buckeyes to, oh, my God, they they just lost a marshal at home. And, look, Notre Dame fans – are impatient. I get it. They've had people run through there who they didn't think were qualified for whatever reason, who got off to slow starts and were never once again able to, I guess, engender the sort of capital from fans that you need sometimes. And it feels like Marcus Freeman's back is up against that wall already, Kayla. The loss to Marshall, ugly. Um, I don't know if they're, they, they've got to go to their backup quarterback now, although I don't know if due to performance, Tyler Buckner wouldn't have been out there soon anyway. Uh, Notre Dame's in a bad spot right now. That they are. It's not going well for Marcus at the moment. Obviously, he lost his first game last season and now going 0-2 to start the season and and falling out of 25 after, again, like you said, that loss to unranked Marshall last weekend. I did read something. Did you see that he converted to Catholicism? Maybe that will turn things around. I didn't. That might buy him a couple a re- weeks at, at South Bend. <laughs> Maybe a couple it's not, weeks. It's not a requirement, but apparently a lot of fans weren't happy that he wasn't Catholic. He said it was, quote, a family personal decision, but I feel like that's not the case. That's a career decision. Yes. That's a career decision. That's exactly what that was. But as a as a Catholic, you know, you can just, just, just ask for forgiveness, and then they'll right. give it to you. That's, that's what happens. That's what happened. That's what, I, that's what I've been doing my entire life. It's, it's no accident <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> It's no accident. A you know, whole lot of sitting in a dark booth and spilling your secrets right. to a guy with a, a little collar on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, <laughs> could we not see this coming, though? Um, <laughs> Notre Dame is not a place for, for a, like a, a, a first-year head coach, right? It, it's a job for, for, you know, Lou Holtz, Urban Meyer, um, you know, Bob Stoops, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. It's not a job for Charlie Weiss or Bob Davey, or, or Marcus Freeman, you know? it's not it, you, you don't hand the keys to Notre Dame, somebody who's never been a head coach at, at a, at a, at a, at a, even a, even a, you know, at, at least a mid-major level, right? Right. Yeah, I, I don't know how he's, he's got to turn it, he's got to turn it around on a dime, essentially, and he's yeah. got to put, push forward in a big way, or else he will completely lose that fan base, I mean, he can convert to Buddhism and Judaism and then back to Catholicism again. It's not going to buy him any more time if he keeps yeah. losing to the marshals of the world, uh, regardless of what religion he is. So, yeah, Marcus Freeman is up against it in South Bend. The last uh, people were going to put some, I guess, disrespect on their name and say shame on you. 
Um, the key, I thought, to Texas staying in it against Bama as long as they did last week, guys, was the fact that Alabama's receivers were underperforming. Bryce Young was finding them. Balls were getting dropped. They're clearly not Judy, Williams, uh, Ruggs, and Smith. This is a group that either is under-talented and was over-recruited or a group that just doesn't have the experience necessary under their belt yet to go off on the road in an environment like the one we saw in Austin this past Saturday. But if Bama's going to turn things around starting this week um, against, what, Louisiana Monroe, big old spread there, it's going to take those guys producing. And, and, you know, we know Bryce Young can make the plays. The question is, can they make the plays for him now, RJ? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, to, to me, and I, I'm, I'm a I'm a card carry member of the the only position that matters is the quarterback position, and he makes all receivers. Hence, Patrick Mahomes, you know, carrying around lifeless bodies with him. But at the college game, it doesn't seem to work like that. You know, you still need playmakers at the college game. These guys aren't polished enough. I, I don't know if he can carry them. You know, like all we heard all off season was how great this team was, right? And and that this is you know they're they're the biggest favorites that this team that this and Alabama's ever been, and uh, you know, it, it, look if Bryce can do that, and he can get them undefeated. I mean, you want to talk about it? He might win that second Heisman because uh, that is that would be a remarkable job on his part. Kayla, are Alabama's receivers, I guess, their Achilles' heel at this point. It looked that way to me anyway last week. <clears throat> well, listen, I did some digging and I read something that Urban Meyer said, and based on his college football experience I would put a lot into this he said he isn't worried he's decided um that we shouldn't be worried either he said he thinks they're young they're really talented receivers um they just need to grow he said if you go back and look at Julio Cooper who they face games in the Sugar Bowl uh and then recently Jameis William Jameson Williams Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith uh those guys he said weren't good they were great and he didn't see that then um he didn't see their greatness then and he said he thinks it'll come because they're really young and talented so i think we just need to be patient with these guys and and let time take its course maybe take advantage of some louisiana monroe defensive backs and get right back on track that might be the way to do it uh a way too early heisman watch i'll rattle off the numbers for the top 10 names in the Heisman race after just two weeks of the college football season. C.J. Stroud, plus 275 at BetMGM. Bryce Young, who we just talked about, alongside Caleb Williams, both 350. Stetson Bennett, 16-1. to Anthony Richardson and J.J. McCarthy, 20-1. to Then at 25-1, to you have Will Anderson Jr. and Dylan Gabriel. At 30-1, to B. John Robinson. And 33-1, to Travion Henderson. Um, amongst, I, I think I'm sticking with the favorites at this point, guys. You can tell me what you think. With what USC's offense has been able to do, how potent they've looked early on, I think Caleb Williams would be of the top three there who really are the ones with the shortest odds. I would I would probably lean on Caleb Williams. What do you think, Kayla? You 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 took my pick. Uh, I am high on him yeah. right now. His stock is up. Um, obviously, he shined in his first Pac-12 matchup going 20 and for 27 uh, for 341 yards and four touchdowns. So far, he's thrown for 590 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for another 72. Um, and he, by the way, he could make history with a Heisman win, becoming the first to use the transfer, transfer portal to go from one major program to the other without having to sit a year. Um, and by the way, you guys, upcoming games, they've got Fresno State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State. Utah is the only one I would circle there. Arizona, Cal, Colorado, UCLA, and Notre Dame. So, I mean, 
I think he's got a good shot at being the Heisman winner. Yeah, he's got. I, I think he's he does. Got, he's got a chance there, RJ, to to kind of build, a, pad a little bit of a lead too over the next three, four weeks. Yeah, he really does. I mean, you know, she brought up the uh, the schedule. The schedule is very favorable. The only drawback would be is if there's something out of, out of the title picture, being out west. That's a drawback. You get lost out west uh, with, with some of those yeah. late games if you're not in the title hunt. Yeah, playing at 10-15, 10-30 every Saturday night. Coming up next, the SEC hosting a pair of big Power 5 opponents. And we'll touch on all the biggest games on this week's slate alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yes, we are live coast to coast on the BetQL Network every single weekend, getting you ready for college football game day. We will have you covered as well on the BetQL Network all day, every Saturday with BetQL in the action all afternoon. Uh, from all over the country, checking in on all of the games, including some of the biggest ones, which we preview for you here on BetQLU every single weekend alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I am Chris Mack. You know you can watch on Twitch and also stream on Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app today, A-U-D-A-C-Y. The only, we're going to go through a couple of big games here, guys, but the only game of ranked-on-ranked opponents Takes us back out to College Station, Texas. We talked about the Aggies of Texas A&M a good bit just a few moments ago, but they're hosting number 13, Miami. Aggies fall to 20 after that loss to App State last week. Late kickoff uh, in College Station, 9 o'clock Saturday night. Number 13, Miami Hurricanes visiting number 20, Texas A&M. The spread, six points. Total a little lower, 44 and a half. Um, you wonder what the atmosphere will be like in College Station, I think, after sort of the the numbing effect of losing to App State at home. You also wonder with Miami going on the road against a Power 5 opponent, do they reinforce that they may be the second-best team in the ACC to Clemson, that they may have possibly the best quarterback in the ACC and Tyler Van Dyke, and you wonder if AM can truly bounce back into SEC title contention in this spot. It's their opportunity to do so with a top 15 team coming in, Kayla. Absolutely. As you mentioned, uh, Van Dyke off to a hot start. And he you know, got thrown in to QB1 last season. Uh, and the Canes finished by winning five of their last six while Van Dyke was one of the most dominant QBs in the country. He threw for at least 300 yards and three touchdowns in six straight games and was just the second power five QB to do that in the playoff era. So... I'm high on Miami going into this one. Um, I'm taking them to cover on the road in AM. I know that's a, a hot take maybe, but uh, it's a, not a great atmosphere to go in as a, a road team, but I like Miami. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take, RJ, but I mean, this feels like about a touchdown game to me. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I do think it'll get just over the total of 44.5, but I think because it's not going to be a high-scoring back-and-forth affair, a, a shootout of sorts, that it will be right around a touchdown. And and I think, you know, if it were seven, seven-and-a-half, I'd feel a whole lot more confident in Miami, but six is a number some people might like. 
Yeah, look, I mean, if it stays the under, then, you know, the dog's in play, uh, you know, big time. That's kind of, you know, kind of usually how mm-hmm. it works, right? Unders and dogs kind of roll together. Um, it, it, uh, A&M obviously has a, a absolute must win here uh, after, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, dropping last week. But for Miami, this is one of those get-back games, get-back to prominence. Uh, there was an article this week on ESPN about, a, you know, half-dozen programs uh, that have fallen, you know, on hard times, Miami being one of them. And how they go about getting back uh, to prominence. It's wins like this. This is how you start. You know, this is not an easy place to play. Uh, even though App, App State won there, it, it was, I mean, if you look at the crowd, there was there were some empty seats in there. So it wasn't like 110,000 in there that night, that day. Uh, it, it, look, it, it's a, it's a, conference, it's a tough, non-conference, it's a tough opponent. So it is a, it is a tough test for Miami. But like Kayla said, I mean, they've got that dude at quarterback, man. Like, that guy, Van Dyke is tremendous. And they've been waiting since Ken Dorsey for someone to come around, like him to come around. Yeah, and it's it, you mentioned a get-back spot to national prominence, maybe, RJ. I think it's interesting. Uh, all the rumors about conference realignment have kind of cooled off since the college football playoff expansion uh, was more or less not cemented yet, but put into place a couple weeks ago. And I wonder if necessarily we'll see as much shifting now, but there were people talking about Miami maybe being one of those teams that would be targeted by the SEC or the Big Ten if we were going to wildly expand to two mega conferences. And if you're going to compete as one of those teams that gets drawn into one of those mega power conferences, you better be able to go on the road to a big-time Power 5 opponent, in this case, the Aggies, in College Station, and at least give them a touchdown game, which is what this one's trending as with a six-point spot there. So uh, an interesting one to watch late Saturday night from College Station. A couple hours before that, about 90 minutes before Miami and AM kick, out west mm-hmm. in Seattle, it'll be the Spartans. Number 11, Michigan State, 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific kickoff at Washington, visiting the Huskies. Uh, Washington, the home favorites, three and a half points, total sitting at about 56 and a half. Just the fourth meeting all time between these two teams. Last year, the Spartans were single-digit dogs four times, won all four games outright. I think I like them to do the same here. I like the Spartans to sort of reinforce the dominance and the power of the Eastern Division of the Big Ten, which they'll be doing with a win out on Pac-12 soil. RJ, I like the Spartans in this one, even with the hook on the three. Yeah, I do too. I was kind of surprised this line came out. They were a dog in this one. Um, it, it kind of struck me as, as a little bit of odd. Then, you know, you, you realize your teams going from the east to the west, you know, perform a little bit worse than teams going west to east for whatever reason. You know, sometimes maybe it, it, it's not the early start time. Maybe it's the late start time. Maybe <laughs> maybe their sleep rhythm's all off. They got like an, a, you know, a night game and all of a sudden it's 930. But uh, yeah, I, was, I was a little bit surprised this spread came out. Um, so I, I, I am rolling with Michigan State as well. Uh, you know, Mel Tucker's they, they gave him they gave him a ton of money. They gave him a ton of money for a reason. Kayla, Michigan State's getting three and a half at the Huskies. I I think I like as we both talked about here, RJ and I, uh, Michigan State winning this one outright. The money line at BetMGM sitting at plus one forty five. How do you look at this one? I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to stay away from the money line. I like the spread. As you said, Michigan State's off to a hot start with a combined score of 87 to 13. Um, yes, they're underdogs on the road despite being ranked, but I think they're going to cover. They're 4-0 against the spread in their last four games. Washington, on the other hand, is 0-4 against the spread in their last four against 
Big Ten opponents. Um, I just think they're the better team, even though their secondary will undoubtedly be tested by what Washington is capable of doing through the air, as we know. I think Spartans will control the tempo with their offense, uh, specifically with the running game. So I like them to cover. Uh, Moneyline, you're probably good with, but I'm just going to stay with the spread. All right. I, yeah, I, again, I don't know if I'm quite there yet with the money line because, you know, again, as, as you pointed out, RJ, the flukiness of the travel going out west doesn't seem to usually be as big of a problem as coming east. But still, nonetheless, uh, I'm at least on Michigan State, especially if you're giving me three and a half. All right. I need you two, my friends, Kayla and RJ, to help me find where I should be on this next one. Number 22, Penn State. Traveling to Auburn. First time a Big Ten team has ever gone into Jordan-Hare. I will be sitting there Saturday afternoon with my Penn State foam finger, Nittany Lion that I am, bleeding blue and white, screaming at Sean Clifford with every incomplete pass. I have a hard time gaining perspective on this thing. I think I like Penn State if they're getting the three and a half, which is what the number was middle of the week. Late in the week, it's come down to three, though. Total sitting at 48. I think I like the under as well. Because to be quite honest, I don't think they have the answer at quarterback. And Auburn, uh, people may say, <laughs> Penn State's had six years. They still don't have their answer at quarterback. I may get on board with that. But here nor there, Penn State 2-5 and five in their last seven regular season games as a favorite of less than a touchdown. So, my friends, RJ, Kayla, give me some perspective, please, on Penn State's trip down to Auburn. Kayla, I'll let you start. Uh, this is actually one of the tougher games for me to pick. Um, it's We're having an orange out, by the way, replicating the whiteout from last year. Kind of love that. Um, okay. But yeah, as we know, Jordan here is not the easiest place to play. Um, and I'm not super confident with what I've seen from Auburn so far this season. They had a bit of a slow start despite being 2-0. Their game last weekend against San Jose was a little touch and go. Um, we also know Penn State is a little unsure at their QB situation. Um but the Auburn QB situation should be concerning too, going back and forth between Finley and Ashford. Uh, but lucky for them, they do have a heck of a defense and a solid running game that's keeping them alive for now. Um, my SEC heart wants to take Auburn at plus three. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm so sorry. Just because it's a home game, I don't feel great about this pick, um, especially when you take into account the question mark at, at quarterback. RJ, make me feel better, please. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I feel exactly like Kayla does. I have no idea how to pick this game. I don't trust either team. I don't trust either coach. Uh, I, I trust nothing about it. Um, <laughs> the only thing I know is that that bald eagle is going to find its way to the perch. That's all I know is that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Other than that, I can't figure this game out for the life of me. Again, the quarterback play. This is going to remind me of an XFL game. All right, the quarterback play in this. It's going to be like – P.J. Walker. Right, P.J. Walker's not walking yeah, down that hall. Yeah, you <laughs> might make a nice pass here or there, but then then you're going to be skipping rocks like Donovan McNabb was at the feet of receivers in the late, <laughs> late stages of his career. I can't figure this game out. It's going to be loud because it usually is a Jordan Hare, but, uh, man, this is – these are two teams that, that, that are frustrating to watch right now. I'll be honest, it's not, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm taking my blue and white glasses off now. And the thing that gets me about Auburn is that they only beat San Jose State in Jordan-Hare by a little more than a touchdown or a touchdown in two, 24-16 last week. They also only threw for about 165, 170 through the air. And I suspect 
that with their quarterback problems, we'll probably see both of those guys at some point Saturday afternoon because if Penn State has nothing else, they have Joey Porter Jr. basically locking down one side of the field. I think he's got a chance to be one of the top, if not the top corners coming out in this year's draft. He'll be a first-rounder, in my opinion. If he takes away half the field, I think that's going to make it really tough for Auburn to move things through the air. And then if they're locked into a ground game and Penn State can start to start to stack the box, I think that bodes well for Penn State, especially if they're only laying three. I think that's a good thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm on my Nittany Lions here, but it is with some hesitancy. That being said, uh, it's hard to be any more hesitant than the administration at Nebraska. They waited and they waited. And they waited a little bit more. And then finally they said, hey, you know what? We'll pay an extra $7.5 million just to get Scott Frost out of here ahead of when the buyout would have dipped in three weeks. Uh, Noon kickoff in Lincoln, noon Eastern, 11 Central, between the Huskers and number six Oklahoma. The Sooners visiting uh, Lincoln for the first time in just 12 years. So with that being said, Uh, this one is an old school, big eight rivalry. You mentioned earlier, RJ, and I think it's a really good point. The effect of uh, a new head coach, even if it's an interim head coach and how sometimes that gets a bounce out of guys. I think it's a really good point, but Kayla, Nebraska, 0 and 8 against the spread in their last eight games, all seven of their straight up losses by single digit margins. I don't know if that's a talent problem. If that was a Scott Frost problem. And moreover, I don't know if you fix either one of those problems with the Sooners coming to town. Yeah, I don't think the coaching situation changes anything for this game Saturday. And this is probably the most confident I am in a pick uh, of all the games we're previewing. I love this former Big 12 matchup um, where OU, by the way, has won five of the last six with the Cornhuskers. Nebraska did, though, keep this game close last season, uh, 23-16. But as again, due to the recent shakeup, I'm not confident that the same thing's going to happen this year in Lincoln. Uh, Even with a slow start against Kent State, that doesn't scare me with OU. Brett Venables has this team firing on all cylinders. They control the defense while um, offensive coordinator Jeff Levy and quarterback Dylan Gabriel have been smooth and steady on that offensive side of things. This is a top 10 team going into a hot mess that is Nebraska. So with that, I am very confident in taking OU at minus 10 and a half. Um, As for the total, however, I would lean the under. This is still a power five team. And while OU is solid on both sides of the ball, I am hopeful that Nebraska will show up in some way to at least slow them down. But give yeah. me OU. RJ, I like Kayla's underlean here with a big total of 65. Because I don't think the Sooners will necessarily run away and hide at halftime. I, you know, they might win by a, a couple of touchdowns. But I, they'll cover the 11. I, I think just around the 10 to 14 number is where I like them here. Which is why I'm nece- not necessarily all in on this. But I think I definitely do like the under 65. I like the under as well. I also like Nebraska to cover. Um, okay. Oh. This is that new is the new coach theory for one. Um, the other thing is, man, I just don't trust. I don't trust Brett Venables. Like he, he's a defensive minded guy. He's a great coach, but when you're a defensive minded guy, a lot of times you will err on that conservative side because you don't want your side of the football to be compromised at any point. Uh, that's why I, I and I think Oklahoma knows they're going to win this football game going in. Uh, so I, I like the points with Nebraska. I think this is going to be a more conservative game plan 
uh, from OU in this one, and 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 they'll keep it low scoring. They'll win the game. We'll get a backdoor cover, and 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 you know Nebraska will lose by ten. And I'm, I'm going to be wrong on that, by the way. It's going to be a twenty-five <laughs> game. At least you're owning it now. I appreciate that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. speaking of big numbers, we will spread them up against the wall and spread them. Uh, big spreads this weekend. We touch on some of those coming up in just a few moments. Total nonsense when we look at some of the biggest and smallest totals. Yeah, you know I was involved when we start to talk small totals. Plus, our best bets on the way as well. Don't forget BetQL, your one-stop shop for all your picks, analysis, and sportsbook offers. College football season now firmly underway. That's where you get all of it at BetQL, some of the best tools to help you win in week three. Coming up next, all those big numbers I told you about and our best bets alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. We're here for you every weekend, live coast to coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it today. Get everything you need, both with the Odyssey app and the BetQL app, to make sure you're making the best picks, or at least the most well-informed picks, every single weekend. Get those five-star plays from BetQL and listen to BetQL Network all weekend long right there on both the BetQL app and your Odyssey network, like I mentioned, uh, your Odyssey app, pardon me, and, of course, on Twitch as well. You can watch the show alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I am Chris Mack. Before we leave in the next couple of minutes, we will get you our best bets. I can't believe I'm going in the direction I'm going in with my with my best bet. It's just it's blowing my mind, the team that I am all in on this weekend. We'll go with some total nonsense. Yes, total nonsense. The biggest total and the smallest total on the board uh, this week three of the college football season. That in just a couple of moments as well. But first, spread them. Last week, Hawaii covers 53 against Michigan. Arkansas State covers 44 and a half at Ohio Woo! State. Uh, how about this, RJ? Zach, our intrepid producer, looked this up. A parlay last week of Washington State, App State, and Marshall all on the money line would have paid 370 to 1. So 100 bucks oh, wow. would have turned into, is that 37,000, I think, if my Penn State math isn't failing me. So uh, if you want to lean on some big spreads, there are more of those this week. Kayla, number two, Alabama, laying 49 against Louisiana Monroe. Number four, Michigan, as well as number 15, Tennessee, both laying 47 and a half at home. The Wolverines to UConn and the Volunteers to Akron. Do you like any of these giant spreads? I mean, I'm going to take the obvious here and go Bama, uh, minus 49. They're going to rebound after that Texas game. Nick Saban wasn't happy with that, as we all know. They've combined for 75 so far this season. Um, I mean, what is there to say? It's UL Monroe. So give me Bama at minus 49. I think this is a big bounce-back bludgeoning spot for the Tide, RJ, where they just – they put 
little old Lou Monroe over their knee and just spank them to prove to everybody that they're still Bama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- I, th- I think you're right. I-, I-, I stay away from lines of this of this magnitude, 47, 49. I, I just, in general, try to stay away from something like that. But this is going to be a 70-3 to beatdown or something like that. You know, some <laughs> stupid score that makes absolutely no sense. Why are you even playing this game? Why are we even doing this? Um, I <laughs> This, you know, this is a dud week. You know, you're right. You said it. Like, this is kind of like yeah. the letdown from last week. And, and it's all because, you know, look, next week, conference play swings for everybody. You know, like uh, you know, every SEC team will be in a conference game next week for, you know, like, and all the school, all the conferences are going to have, uh, you know, their full complement of games next week. So this is that last week, but it doesn't make it any less, any less difficult to watch. Yeah, the the only one I think I might like a little bit, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'll probably end up pulling myself back from doing this. Tennessee, your Vols, they snuck out of Pittsburgh with a win in overtime last Saturday, only because Pitt was down to their backup quarterback on one leg, um, and they're laying 47 and a half to Akron, who admittedly is really bad. But I know Joe Moorhead, their head coach. Maybe I'm just partial to him because I know he's a good dude. I think um Akron's bad though they don't have any talent whatsoever they may get rolled by Tennessee but if I'm gonna go in on any big spreads I may just sprinkle a couple of bucks on Akron to cover maybe just for uh well you know for giggles um those are the big spreads how about the totals that are on either end of the extremes let's start with the biggest total on the board for this weekend Fresno State Bulldogs visiting the number seven Southern Cal Trojans total on this one RJ, 73 and a half. Are you in on that? Or can you can you take the over and not find yourself having to pop no-dos to stay up to watch this thing and it, crossing your fingers and toes and knocking on every piece of wood in the house that you get the get the over? This this has got to be an underplay. Uh 73 and a half is, is so high. Now, Fresno's got a really good quarterback. Um, he, you know, he, he was, he was a power five guy at one point. They, they, he's a really good player. Uh, he was, he was relatively highly, highly touted. The, the issue is though, I mean, you know, one of these teams is going to have to score 50 for that, for right. that thing to hit, you know, like you, you're not going to get, you know, 40 and 35. Uh, I, I just don't think you're going to get that. You, one of these teams is going to have to score 50 points. That's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. I, I know the college rules make it easier to score 50 because the clock stops every two seconds and. Uh, the games take five and a half hours, but man, I, I can't, I can't imagine taking the over on this spread. This one to me, Kayla smells like a huge overreaction. And look, I like Southern Cal. We talked about them earlier. Um, I like Caleb Williams as a, as a possible Heisman candidate, the numbers he has put up through the first two weeks, but I think it's a bit of an overreaction. This total to the Trojans putting up 107 points combined against rice and Stanford, uh, that just to me, I, I, even if they were to put up uh, 40, to RJ's point, you'd still need Fresno to hit 35 to get to the total. Well, I mean, they put up 66 against Rice, 80 total, yeah. um, 69 with total of Stanford. So my question is, is how does Rice compare to Fresno State? Because they're in the same playing field same that we might, we might see this yeah. total in same neighborhood we might see this total hit i'm i'm because i mean 80 with rice it I is expect, high i, I probably yeah, wouldn't I, would, I probably wouldn't take the total but they have done it this season. Fresno. yeah i would assume fresno is much better than rice 
Rice pretty bad. Rice is that you know yeah. they're they're, I mean, they're they're like a poor man's Vanderbilt. <laughs> I'm not up on their conferences. <laughs> I I would assume too that Fres, Fresno will give Southern Cal a little bit more pushback uh, than the Owls did, definitely. So I I think I lean under on that one. The smallest total of the weekend. This is comes comes as no surprise. Uh, Iowa hosting Nevada. The total just a measly 39 points. And the way Iowa has looked through the first couple of weeks, I don't know if I don't feel inclined, Kayla, to take the under anyway. I'm right there with you. Like, we've se- we've seen what they've done. It's not been great um, going up against Nevada. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning the under with you, to be honest. Yeah, RJ. Not much for me uh, to, talk- to do with that one. Yeah, t- talk some sense into us and why it should we should not be taking unders on a, on a 39 total or maybe reinforce our belief that has only been reinforced by the Hawkeyes looking awful on offense through the first two weeks that we should all be on the under. Oh, no, I, I am definitely on the under. You know, Nevada's got a new quarterback yep. uh, from last year. Uh, Iowa can't score. Uh, it's, 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 a bad, it's a bad spot to be in for Iowa right now. They, they're... They're struggling offensively. They're not a fun team. I don't know how you're a fan of a team that, you know, that, that just runs an offense that is so antiquated and so boring, and you can't throw the football. You can't run the football right now. Other than that, they're a great offensive team. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really <laughs> tough to watch. It really is a difficult thing to watch right now. And I don't suspect Nevada's going to score a ton either because Iowa's still got a halfway decent defense. So, I mean, I, I'm all, I would be all over the under on this one. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? Um, yeah. no, no run game, no pass game, no offense. No, it, it is. It's, it's, it's hard, though, to swallow a 39-point total and taking the under because you find yourself – you don't want to watch the game itself because you just – you chalk it up that it's going to be a terrible football game, right, if you're taking an under yeah. on 39. So you're just constantly refreshing, checking the score, checking the score, checking the score, crossing your fingers and hoping that you see more punts than points, which has – really been the key for Iowa this year. They've got more punts than points. All right, time to get you our best bets of the week before we wrap it up here on BetQLU. Uh, We'll each give you our favorite play of the weekend and some thoughts behind it. Um, I'll start because I can't believe I'm about to do this, but um, I'm in on Kansas. This sounds crazy. I know. I'm in on the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm in on Lance (laughs) Leopold who got a contract extension before they even played a game this year. They're getting, <laughs> they're getting eight and a half at Houston. The Cougars have not looked good in the first two weeks. Um, they went to overtime and barely got past UT San Antonio. It was an overtime loss in Lubbock to a bad Texas Tech team last weekend. Kansas scored in the 60s last week. Granted, in overtime, but in the 60s last week against... West Virginia, okay, but still, they beat West Virginia, and Kansas is starting to look like maybe they're legit. I don't know if they're going to light up the scoreboard like they did the first couple of weeks. Maybe they don't. I don't know if they're going to win outright. I I don't, but there's a chance Kansas could start 3-0 for the first time in 15 years be the first time since 2007 Mark Mangino's uh, penultimate season as the Jayhawks head coach when they had an Orange Bowl win. 
they could be three and oh. Now, it's still likely they could be two and one, and I win this bet anyway because I'm getting eight and a half. Even though it's on the road at Houston, I'm on the Kansas Jayhawks. I can't believe I'm doing this. Yes, my best bet this week is Kansas plus the eight and a half. Kayla, what do you got for me? Whew. Well, I hate everything about what you just said. As a Mizzou gal, <laughs> as a Mizzou gal, I am definitely not I'm definitely not on the Kansas train. Let that be loud and clear. But best of luck to you there. Um, I'm going back to this OU game. I'm going to take OU team total over 38 and a half minus 113. They're averaging 39 a game. Um, again, going into Lincoln with the, the coaching disaster mess going on there. I'm confident that OU can come in and kind of steamroll offensively. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's put up 529 yards this season. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. Their run game's solid. They're, they're, they're good on offense. So uh, I like OU at um, 38 and a half team total. I like that. Sooners over the team total of 38 and a half. RJ, what do you got for us with your best bet this week? Oh, man, this is, this is going right down to Austin. I love Ooh. what Jeff Trailer has going on down at UT San Antonio. There was a little piece on him uh, this week. Give me UTSA plus the 12 and a half at Texas. This is so oh, right baby. for Texas letdown. This is You're so right. right for App State <laughs> 2.0 to happen right here. <laughs> they just had their Super Bowl. They lost in absolute crushing fashion. That was the loudest I'd ever heard that stadium. They might not get 60,000 there this week for this game. And if they do, it's because UTSA is going to bring their whatever fan base they have. Uh, this is – I've taken UTSA plus the 12 and a half. Texas is going to Texas, man. That's what they do best. All the we're back, all that stuff gone out the window. UTSA plus the 12 and a half. I love it. He's RJ Choppy. She's Kayla Canaram. Yeah, we got some bold plays for you this week here on BetQLU. We'll do it again next weekend. Thanks for joining us wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app and right here on the BetQL Network. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM.